I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. DMCA, obviously the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, which is what uh, which is what big companies use to... All right on the acronym. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Watch Time. We're back for another week to talk about the internet, to talk about all sorts of things. And I've got a lot of energy because I just had a coffee. Oh, I'm glad. I did not just have a coffee. I'm, I'm on the waters today. I'm, but I'm running on adrenaline right yeah. now. We are week seven, lockdown. I, I like checked all the comments on last week's video before we opened this one. And everyone's just like... Elliot complaining about being insane after two months in lockdown. All our like UK viewers and listeners. Yeah. Just like, just mate, like- <laughs> get with it. We have been in lockdown for a year. <laughs> no, but see, like for me, it wasn't, it's not so much being in lockdown. It was the mental part of like everyone. There was this narrative, I think, across the world of like we're coming out of lockdown now. It's yeah, been yeah, a year yeah, of yeah, coronavirus. Yeah. Vaccinations oh. are out. People getting vaccinated. This is where we emerge and we don't go back. Mm-hmm. So getting put back to square one after a full year and a half of moving forward it just like it hit different it was like getting whacked over the head with a mallet anyway 100% triggering that like the US is in open up phase right now I'm seeing people in Italy for god's sake I'm looking at house parties people are on bikes I'm I'm looking at footage from Lollapalooza over the weekend like Coachella just released their lineup yeah and I'm like we are in full lockdown. Yeah. Like there's absolutely just no way. I do think it's kind of crazy though. I've been listening to a few podcasts um, talking about like the Delta variant, obviously, which is like blowing up Globally. wherever you're listening to this. <laughs> Coming to a city near you. It is kind of crazy. Like once you've let the cat out of the bag as much as the US has and the UK now, it's like you can't get that back. You can't get that back. Even no Australia. One's down again. Even Australia can't get the. Oh, you mean it, with lockdown? I think you meant yeah. with Delta. Like you can't Both. get Delta under control. Both cats are out of the bag. All, all the cats are out of the bag. Australia was really good with the first strain of coronavirus. We would literally, if it ever got out, because we had zero cases the majority of the time. But if cases ever did get out, we'd get up to like 20, 30 a day. But yeah. then we'd be able to just beat it back down to zero mm-hmm. by lockdown. Delta, mm-hmm. been in lockdown for two months. Cases are going up, which is just crazy. Shows how insane that is. But we're not here to talk about coronavirus. <laughs> we're here to talk about the internet and what's happening on it. And today we've got uh, two topics which I think are super interesting. One is more on the uh, kind of business of being an influencer side and uh, kind of what we do here at uh, Click Management, which I think, I think you especially could have some very interesting opinions on. Mm-hmm. And then also wanted to talk about Fortnite, which I feel like we actually haven't done in a little while. We haven't done a big Fortnite topic in a little while, but it has been the craziest Fortnite season. It's about to be the craziest week of Fortnite that has happened in a very long time. And I think it's also... I feel like we spoke about Fortnite like last week, but... Honestly, we probably did. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. let's do it. We love Epic. We Fortnite's love Fortnite. my life. We love Tim. <laughs> we've said it um, before and we've said it again. 
We love Tim. I think we might have mentioned Tim a couple of weeks ago. Who knows? <laughs> anyway, but let's go in to our very, very first topic, which yeah. is we'll, we'll start off with the more businessy oriented one, mm-hmm. which is going to be it, let's it go all to school. Take you back to square one because this all started about a week ago. Class when is beginning. XQC, one of the biggest streamers on Twitch, most of you guys probably know him, yes. was uh, live streaming. And I haven't seen the exact clip of where it happened, but long story short, he ended up getting a live DMCA takedown of his stream. DMCA, obviously, the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, which is what, uh, which is what big companies use to right, take down your acronyms. content if you're using like their music or video or whatever it is without proper authorization. Do you know, off the top of my head, I actually wouldn't have known what DMCA stands for. Not a YouTuber. Digital those, Millennium. Those bastards. <laughs> those bastards have done enough damage. I've learned the acronym. Um, <laughs> Elliot's like, I know the legislation. Exactly. He was he, three. <laughs> he was he was taken down by uh, the Olympics, the the organization that runs the Olympics copyright. And uh, after effectively getting his channel reinstated, when you get issued a DMCA, you can either kind of accept it, take it, in which case it's kind of like a mark on your record is almost what you can think it of, or you can contest it, which is basically saying, I don't think this was issued correctly. I had a right to do what I was doing. It was within fair use. I want you to rescind the DMCA strike. Now, when you do that, that's a really big move because this creates one of two avenues, uh, which is basically either the company that issued it says, yep, you know what? Okay, you're right. Or we can't be bothered. Like we'll rescind it, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't really care. Or they can attempt to uphold the strike, at which point it becomes a much bigger expensive legal issue and the penalties if if it gets upheld are also substantially increased if you're a creator if you're a creator on a platform uh so most of the time uh if you get a strike it's kind of you know don't do it again but it's not that bad if you're a creator on a platform and you can test a dmca strike which is then upheld the penalties are much much harsher and i feel like the olympics is the olympics is Playing ball, so to speak. Yeah, the Olympics is like I think <laughs> and one not of those. Just literally, <laughs> their business is selling the rights to literally. their digital content. So those are the and groups. the people buying them spend so Billions. much money Billions on those rights. B- 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 They're not messing around. Like no. I realized because I've been trying to actually, I was like watching some content. Or, oh no, I was searching for a clip on Twitter the other day of something that happened. I was like looking for a situation. I think it was where those two. Um, the two high jump guys that yeah, shared yeah, the gold, model, yeah, loved it. gold medal. Love that. Love a good Olympic moment as a side note. Anyway, I was like, oh, I want to see this. And I was like, Twitter will have it. And I searched it and it was really hard to find. Yeah. Like to find the video footage, hard because you have to go through the official yeah. channels. Yeah, crazy. So but he it, contested it. He contested it. And, but, but, so that's one interesting thing. And obviously we're, we're going to have to follow that story, see where it goes. We so don't, we don't know the outcome. We don't yet. know the outcome yet. It'll, the Olympics, I'm sure they're a little bit busy at the moment. They've got a, probably got a couple of things going on right now. So the, the random Twitch they streamer. they got a few events, you know, the high jump. Yeah. The meter, <laughs> hurdles is on today. The random Twitch streamer that contested his DMCA, <laughs> probably not at the top of their list. They're just like, mate, we will get to you after the closing ceremony. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but we'll see the outcome from that. That should be super interesting. But uh, what I thought was most interesting is so XQC is repped by Evolved Talent, who right. is which is kind of mainly owned and run by a guy uh, known as Video Game Attorney. I'm sorry, I have to laugh, but like, is there an Australian version of someone that's trying to like? I just find it really funny when someone like gives themselves a nickname, like Video you Game Attorney. You know what attorney. I mean? Like, I am the Video Game Attorney. I remember running into him very early on. He was like, I'm he was, sure I actually don't know him. 
him. Yeah. But I just think the name is funny. From from what I've heard, like from what I've heard, and I, I've seen some stuff uh, on Reddit. I've met him a couple of times. It was really nice when I chatted to him. Um, and effectively, Evolve Talent they they mostly rep a lot of esports players. Okay. Um, but they function as a talent management agency, but also have a, a much heavier like legal function as well, yes. like negotiating. Um, like like most talent agencies, also negotiate contracts yeah. for you know esports players and brand deals and everything. So. Uh, the, the really interesting thing that came out of this uh, XQC story is that after XQC tweeted that he was going to be contesting the DMCA strike, video game attorney kind of joined the conversation and subtweeted it saying, yep, we normally don't uh, recommend our clients to uh, contest DMCAs just because of the... Um, the really bad consequences if it goes wrong and the fact that it can be expensive. But in this case, we think it was fair use. We're going to fight it, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, from that tweet, a whole bunch of other creators came out of the woodwork. And for whatever reason, that one tweet that Video Game Attorney made made a bunch of creators then come out and start saying bad stuff about Video Game Attorney. That's so interesting. Most notably... H3H3. So a lot of people, uh, Ethan Klein, a lot of people are aware that a couple of years ago now, Ethan Klein had this really big fair use case. It was like yes. another YouTuber tried to sue him for like $50 million for using like some random clip. They had to go through an insane multi-year court process to defend the fact that it was fair use. They ended up winning the case. Anyway, Ethan had never really said, talked about this publicly before, but he actually said that after seeing that tweet from Video Game Attorney, he was on his podcast and uh, started talking about it and said, Video Game Attorney, I'm just going to say VGA from now on, was actually their initial uh, lawyer on the case. He was the one that initially right. took their case to fight the fair use claim. Mm -hmm. And he was saying that uh, he mishandled the case so badly that they were considering suing him for malpractice. And then the new law, after they ended up dropping him as their lawyer, the new lawyers they picked up apparently said they couldn't believe how badly it had been handled. So H3 was voicing concerns against not only VGA, but also the fact that uh, the case, um, but also whether or not he was going to handle this case properly as well, because it's not, right. it's not his specialization area of law, but he just seems to kind of like doing it. Um, and then the other interesting take, which I wanted to give that that comment more for context, uh, but the, the other interesting take that I'm really keen to get your thoughts on okay. was Pokimane was on stream talking about it. And I think she mentioned she'd heard some like not great stuff about VGA, but the main point that she brought up and made was that uh, she didn't think that the way that he ran his business really was right or made sense because he is both a talent management agency mm. um, as an agent as well as a lawyer. And she yep. was saying that a lot of the time, in her opinion, those uh, two roles are conflicting. A lawyer is there to make sure the contract is done uh, as like, you know, protectively as possible yeah. is really, really in the favor of the talent and, you know, has all the protections you need versus an agent, they make their money on commission. So they really just want to get as many deals signed as they can. The more deals they get signed, right. the more revenue they make from their cut of. Want, she's saying they just want pen to paper, rather yeah. than so making sure. Yeah. So one of them, approach. one of them, the incentive should be working really hard to just make sure the contract's rock solid, and saying no if it's not 
if it's not a good enough contract right. versus the agent wanting to okay. sign the contract regardless. And mm. she does, and she thinks one person doing those two roles is a conflict that shouldn't exist. Mm. Now, I, off the bat, could agree in some rare circumstances, but generally wouldn't uh, agree wholly, but I can go into that later. But I want your initial take. What are, you, what are your okay. thoughts? Okay, okay. And I guess my take is... Um, you know, coming from the position I am a talent manager, I Who have also, also has a law degree. got a law degree. Um, although I don't practice law, but a huge part of my job is reviewing contracts all the time. Yeah. So for context, um, I suppose that's the, the lens I can see it through. I think that's a really interesting perspective and I, and I think it has legs. Like I think absolutely that makes sense. I think um, I take her point. I think it also varies um, and the way that a lot of talent uh, kind of teams are structured varies a lot geography to geography. Mm. So for instance, in the US, it's probably where it's most legislated and there's a lot of protection around the way that talent um, have teams. So you would probably have a manager and an agent in the US and the UK and a lot of Europe, those roles can be blended, which I think makes sense. And obviously this depends talent to talent, depends like what your priorities are and how much you've got on your plate. A lot of times in the US, you'll also have a lawyer. Um, but in the US, generally for talent, lawyers are also working on a percentage of the fee. So they're working, they're also working on a commissions basis. Um, so it's not like you're just paying them to review a contract, although you may do that, like oftentimes they're working for a percent. Um, I think that that is a valid, yeah, I mean, I haven't come into this conversation prepped, like, but so I'm thinking on the fly, but I do think that's a valid perspective to have. But at the same time, I feel as though like a significant fiduciary duty of a talent manager is to make sure your talent are signing the best contract. Like that's literally your, your job. job. <laughs> um, so while maybe if you had a super aggressive agent and the agent was just incentivized to get pens to paper and source deals, uh, and they weren't really experienced in negotiating contracts, although as an, an, a good agent should be. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I really see making sure the contract is in the best shape to be a key part of the job. It's not just sourcing and negotiating and getting the best rate for a deal, for me, a lot of the time when I'm doing a deal is spent in the depths of the contract, making sure it is getting into top shape. And and kind of as a manager, that's where you add your value. I think yeah. a manager, I, I'm going to use the word manager agent interchangeably because um, I that's kind operate of how it works in that way Australia. interchangeably yeah. um, for the most part. So yeah, I mean, that's where I really see me as adding the value. Like if I'm signing you to a deal, for instance, like your job is to do the content, is to post it, is yeah. to reach the audience. Where I add my value is yes, in sourcing the deal, negotiating the deal, but also making sure the contracts of like that's uh, to me, I see that as a pretty core part of the job. I think if you had a manager that you genuinely felt as though you couldn't trust to get your contracts into the best shape, um, there's probably a bigger issue there with the competency or the ethics of your mm. manager. Um, 
Yeah, I, I think a manager's job is to help you weigh up and, and get it into the best shape. But what do you think? Well, that was going to be but my... Also, but I do think, and, and in a perfect world, I can understand how a, an agent or a manager could be put in a position of conflict. Yeah, I mean, I, I think at the end of the day... Uh, Hang on. Actually, while I'm there, can I also <laughs> finish my thought? I think it comes down to like an efficiency and what the talent wants as well, because there are always going to be risks in putting together a team, putting together a team around talent, where there might be a potential risk of conflict of interest. Mm. I guess the talent has to weigh up their relationship with their team. Um, what do they actually see that risk realistically being? And what percentage do they want to give up? If you're paying a manager, an agent, and a lawyer because you really see that there's a high level of risk of conflict of interest in any one of those roles, that's fine. You're also going to be, you know, giving up a significant percent of the overall value of the deal for that. Now, you might feel as though that is totally justified because those people are increasing the value of the deal, mm. which I absolutely advocate for. But I think it's kind of a personal preference thing as well. Yeah, I mean, I, that was basically going to be my take is that I, I think at the end of the day, if you don't trust whoever your management is to operate in your best interests yes. in the entire completion of a deal, you've probably got bigger issues anyway, to yeah. be honest, because there is there are a lot of, at the end of the day, a lawyer checking over a contract is only one part of it. And there's a lot of decisions that a manager has to make for mm -hmm. their talent beforehand. Everything from deliverables to exclusivity yeah. length that, uh, that the lawyer isn't really a part of, but they're also key areas of the contract. Mm -hmm. So if you're in a position where you think that your management's just going to agree to anything just to get it signed, then that's probably more a fundamental issue with your management yeah. as a whole. I think at the end of the day, um, it, any successful manager, any successful relationship in general, mm. anyone who operates for short-term gain ends up ends up losing out in the long term. There are very, 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 very few instances, and literally like I was saying, this doesn't only apply to talent management, this applies to life, where you taking a short-term gain, which will end up uh, harming a relationship in the long run, will actually be a net benefit. Mm. Most of the time, building something in the long run in a much healthier but slower way is always going to yeah. come out on top in the end. So- Longest view in the room, kids. Longest view in the room. And I think that is one of the biggest mistakes a lot of people make is they'll just like yeah. burn bridges, throw everything everywhere in the short term just to like maximize their gain on the day without realizing that, bro, you're on this earth for like 80 years mm. <laughs> and the people around you are pretty much the most important part of that experience. So, 100%. So, um, so yeah, I guess basically taking from that point. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. I think at the end of the day, uh, if I have management that I trust, that I believe in, which, you know, clearly XQC does when it comes to VGA because he's come out defending him. And he's also vocalized the fact that it is just because it's all done through one company, which is his management thing there's multiple people in that team there's people who help do the contracts there's people who help yeah, do the legal stuff absolutely. just because it's all under one banner 
doesn't necessarily make that an issue. Um, yeah, I fundamentally think it's fine and I wouldn't have any issue uh, assuming that my management had the training to vet yeah. things properly. I would not have any issue trusting them with the whole package. Now, in this instance, it sounds like there have been genuine uh, experiences by H3H3 in the past when it came to VGA contesting a DMCA issue where it wasn't done to perfection. Um, so I think that's an entirely different question as to whether or not um, he is the right fit or not. I yeah. personally can't speak to it. Don't know any of the experiences firsthand myself. Um, but in terms of uh, Pokimane's comment about management and also being able to vet contracts, I agree. I actually think a lot of the time being able to actually do all that in-house as one cohesive unit mm. is actually more an advantage than a loss. Obviously, like you said, niche instances where people can do that, you know, yeah. use that in bad faith. But uh, if you don't, if if your management is the kind of yeah. people who are going to act in bad faith, they shouldn't be your management. No. And I think for the most part, I would want to say all managers I've met generally are in the job because they like the part of their job where they are advising yeah. and they do have the best interests of talent at heart. Like that's that you wouldn't really get into management, I think, unless you were taking a very short term view unless you genuinely felt like yeah. you liked being in a service industry. Like for me, that that comment on Pokimane, I don't fundamentally disagree with, but it's also, I've actually never really given it a huge amount of thought, that conflict of interest, because it's never really occurred to me. Yeah. Um, not in a naive way, but like I literally just see making sure you're advising your client in the best way possible as like a pretty fundamental part of what a manager is meant yeah. to do. And in my instance, I negotiate contracts a lot. We don't use a lawyer all the time. Sometimes we do use a lawyer and it's when I know I don't have the knowledge base and that I need a second opinion. Yeah. Um, and, and I would absolutely be pretty open and transparent with the talent on that as well. So... But that's an interesting, yeah, interesting. I'd actually be, I'd love to know if you guys like hearing about um, these sorts of things as well. It's definitely a little bit more on the business side and heavy, but I think people seem to like that. Yeah. So, All right. Now our next topic, big week for Fortnite, which is why as soon as this podcast is done, I'm back over at my computer, back to making content. Mm -hmm. uh, because I mean, honestly, just this entire season of Fortnite has been completely crazy. I think Epic Games has really hit a stride. I think pretty objectively people are loving what they're doing at the moment. I'm so happy and to hear. I'm not a, I'm not a regular Fortnite player myself right now, but yeah. I feel as though the reception that I've seen online and on social media has people been like, this is the best season in a really, really long time. I think Epic went through a really interesting flow. I think that in the early stages of the game, they obviously had this incredible blow up, so much growth. They were kind of scrambling, trying to figure out what to do. Mm -hmm. Then I think uh, between seasons probably eight and 12, there was kind of a weird middle ground there where they were kind of trying to figure out, okay, what works? Because really, if, like as much as it feels more normal these days, Fortnite was really one of the first like live service, oh. season update, in-game event, weekly updates, new items. They were pretty much the pioneers of yeah. that on, on the scale that Fortnite operates. And it was like a wheel 
where they really couldn't place a foot wrong no. for over a year. I no, would no, no. say it was like and every Tuesday it was like, what's the update? It's popping. They, like were, they couldn't go wrong. They were like a train gunning down a railroad, yeah. but they were placing the track in front of them as they went and the train kept getting faster and they had to keep placing faster and hoping it worked. Also the definition of momentum. And I've been reading some like business stuff recently in lockdown and just talking about how important momentum is for a business. Yeah. And like when you, when you're people and when you feel like you're on momentum, like everything just flows. And I feel like 2018, early 2019 fortnight, like momentum was the name of the game. Yeah. And I think now, I think they kind of went through a bit of a phase where they were trying some pretty extreme things on either end. And I think now they've really seemed to be coming in and honing in on just a strategy that works. And I think what else was interesting, I think I mentioned this a few um, weeks ago when we were talking about the Epic Games Apple lawsuit. One of the interesting pieces of discovery that came out of that case was that Fortnite Chapter 2 Season 2, which is definitely when a lot of people would say that Fortnite had lost a lot of its early momentum and player base, that was actually their highest earning season so far up to that point. I don't know about the future seasons since then. But it showed how they'd really found, they'd, they'd started to understand their product more, how to monetize it more, how to get people more engaged and mm. actually spend more within it, even if the player base had fallen a bit. So that whole journey with Epic Games really brings us to this point now, which is the current season, their number one, the changes they made and the way they've kept people engaged throughout the season seems incredible. On top of that, we've got this crazy week coming up. We've got Ariana Grande. We've got the Ooh. whole Rift Tour series, which looks like it's just going to be this crazy week of of like concerts and music and different artists, not only Ariana Grande, but a whole bunch of them. You've got- uh, I feel like Alia called Ariana like way early. Oh, it was, it was a leak a while ago. Oh, really? No, yeah. Alia didn't make some crazy Ariana Grande oh my prediction. Well, Alia is always making predictions. I'm like, you could just like shoot some darts at a dartboard. And, yeah, like, hope some, of them, some of them would hit. But- Epic's, but Epic and Fortnite have now hit this stage where it used to be like a collab would happen and that was like a big random deal. Like Fortnite X Marshmallow, mm. crazy, random, out of Moment. nowhere. And maybe like six, eight months later, it's like, oh, okay, now Travis Scott. Now it literally seems like they're doing Batman collabs, Marvel collabs, DC collabs, Ariana Grande collabs, music collabs every single week. I swear they have dropped a new kind of like collab thing every week. On top of that, they've now got a season that feels like it's got momentum. It's keeping people engaged. People are enjoying it. They're building out these crazy intense in-game experiences like the Rift Tour that looks like from what leaks we've seen is going to be incredible. And then uh, it really just feels like they're bringing this whole metaverse within Fortnite to life, which we've talked about before, is obviously their goal. They want Fortnite to be kind of like the sandbox playground, similar to Roblox, but like a more premium experience mm-hmm. where you can bring in pop culture from all different areas and have it housed in this gaming experience. Okay, so I'm interested to hear you say this because I feel as though you've been a little critical on Fortnite and number one, the amount of collabs and drops and that sort of thing that they've done in the past. You felt as though, I feel as though in the past, you've said that it's too much and it feels a little bit kitsch or like it's kind of losing the value. Like, is a Batman collab really increasing the quality of gameplay? Like, what's the why behind it? So I'm interested to hear you say, now that you feel as though it's creating momentum for Fortnite again and that you're feeling the vibe of the metaverse, which I feel like also you have probably been a little more skeptical than me in the past on Epic's 
concept of the metaverse. So what do you feel like they're getting right now that they didn't have right last season? Or what 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 are you seeing is possible now that you didn't see before? They're, I think they're allowing... Um, because I think the problem with the way they did it before is when they would inject areas of the metaverse into the game, it was very much like shoving it in people's faces, like forcing it down your throat. Right. Like you will engage in the metaverse. Like for example, season four and season three, where it was like the Aquaman season and then season four, where it was the kind of Marvel season. Or was that mm-hmm. season five? I'm losing track. Too many seasons. Um, but season five, when it was the Marvel season, and it was literally like the map is Marvel. And then there was season six, where um, where it was kind of like the the Hunters season, where it was mm-hmm. like, it literally, it was completely themed around the metaverse. This season, they've kind of gone back where they've allowed the island and the whole Fortnite universe to have its own narrative. And they're bringing in and creating these really awesome opportunities and experiences around these other characters, but they're not shoving it down their throat and trying to bend the whole Fortnite game around them. Right. So why- They're not making Fortnite into Marvel- they're just yeah. adding Marvel. Yeah, it's kind of like Marvel the is there, but Fortnite isn't Marvel. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, but why I think this is so exciting and why I finally feel like Epic's hitting a stride is it seems like the rate that they're able to get content out and the polish and the significance of that content, like the level of change that it's bringing to the game, is at a level that they haven't hit before. So, but they're able to do it consistently now, which makes me feel like they're really starting to understand how to just, this will be consistent going forward is my hope. But then on top of all this, on top of them finally seeming like they have this endless stream of collabs that they've now mastered how to just make happen back to back to back to back, how to build content around those collabs. They're also going to be upgrading uh, Fortnite to the new Unreal 5 engine. And then on top of that, it looks like they're making some huge changes to creative over the next few months that are going to be making it possible to create way more kind of out there, crazy, customizable, programmed games, similar to what you can do with a game like Roblox. And I'm hoping what what that means at the end of that is that they are really finally going to be able to turn Fortnite into this sandbox experience with that is like a metaverse mm-hmm. that they've been trying to do for so long. I feel like up till now, Fortnite's really kind of been... Uh, dipping their toe in like in the whole sandbox area with things like playground mode and creative mode, which don't get me wrong, are incredibly versatile in what they mm. can do. But compared to games that allow full custom programming and people to come in and really just create completely new yeah. IP around it, uh, Fortnite didn't have that. It was always kind of like uh, on training wheels. Um, but I, I feel like they're finally now just all these different elements, all these areas that you could feel that they were trying to bring into Fortnite, collabs with other things, uh, concerts, different experiences, game modes, customization. I think that they were doing all those things to like 30% of where they wanted them to be. And that's why I was critical. Mm-hmm. I could see they were doing all these things, but they just weren't doing them as well as they needed to. And I feel like now finally... They've hit this stage where they're like, nope, we get it now. We've figured out what the player base wants after three years of running this game. We've also now built out the team around the game in a way where we can do it all and actually do it well. And I don't know. I really think that the next, like this season going forward is going to just be goal after goal after goal. 
I hope, God, I really hope someone's not <laughs> going to be pulling this clip up in like three months from now after the entire game's died and they've completely killed it and messed it up. But I really think that Epic's figured it out. I'm so happy to hear you say that, E, because I, I feel like you were down a little bit for a while there. Well, And also, I think like, I also want to, from their perspective, think like, this shit takes time. Like, Fortnite hasn't been around for that long. And I think it was so defined by Battle Royale, so defined by their BR game, that it was hard to ever, uh, like, I, I can imagine it would be an extremely hard transition to have Fortnite be like Fortnite BR plus creative, like plus playground, plus these things. It was always going to be BR plus they do these other little things on the side, like to actually make it feel like a world that isn't BR with like these little additions on top and actually feel like BR is just one part of the whole thing mm. is a really big challenge, especially when the BR was so good. And it was so popular. Like, to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Even from an internal perspective, like, I can imagine it'd be hard as a company. You've got this great product that is doing really well. How do you then say, actually, you know, we're going to get dedicate a lot of resources to all these other things that we have no proof of concept in right now? Yeah. My perspective. Very interesting. But long story short, I am very excited for Fortnite. I'm very excited for Epic Games. They've got the uh, epic game store which is only growing and I, I do think it's got a long way to go to reach the product level of something like steam but i do think that at the end of the day it's another great thing to have in their arsenal i think that they've got the unreal engine uh, unreal engine 5 coming out which it, what that engine can do seems completely insane and at the head of all that you've got tim sweeney which i think gamers like there there could not be you literally couldn't envisage a better person to be at the head of a company that is doing all these big things because man, Fortnite could, Epic could be so much greedier than they are and they could operate <laughs> in a much more bad faith way, but they don't because that guy has the control Guys, interest I love in the company. That, like at the start of this segment, Elliot's like, you know what? We haven't spoken about Fortnite. It all in a comes while. back to Tim Sweeney. <laughs> Elliot's just looking for his monthly excuse to fanboy over Tim Sweeney. Tim, come on. I got fried chicken at home. We can, Wear cargo you shorts and, and I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Dude, what's happening with creators right now though? Where are oh the creators at? Oh, dude. Well, everyone's just burnt out of Fortnite. Like, Do you know who's popping though? Aussie. Yeah. He is absolutely on fire right now. It's just like I like I personally, I, I love Fortnite. I love streaming it. I really genuinely love playing it. I'm playing more Fortnite this season than I have in pretty much the entire time that Fortnite's been out. Um, but I, I, just from a content creator side, it's really hard to make content and feel like you're actually bringing something valuable. Um, it, you're just kind of making content for the sake of making content, which is exhausting. But also, it's got to be done. It's the job. So I'm trying to I'm trying to re up myself and start posting a bit more regularly than I am right now. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Well, guys, I think that just about finishes us up for today. If you have any questions, pop them in the comments on YouTube or leave us a review. Message me on Instagram or Twitter. There are so many places. Anyway, until then, we will see you guys next week. Bye-bye.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.